22. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. It really is great to see you tonight, and I hope that God will be honored and that you'll be blessed for being here tonight. The United States and England, two countries separated by a common language. That's a pretty good way of describing it. England and America, two countries separated by a common language because what they mean in Great Britain by many terms and what we mean here in the United States may be quite different. Isn't that true? Have you ever been in a conversation? Maybe at work, maybe at school, certainly in your home where you got the distinct impression, what we have here is a failure to communicate. If you've been married any length of time, if you have been a father or mom any length of time, you understand something about that statement. What we have here is a failure to communicate. What if I were to tell you that there are in God's Word, in the passage we're going to study tonight, seven communication enhancers that will bless any relationship, but especially our marriage and our home. Seven communication enhancers that will bless any relationship, but especially our marriages and our homes. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Notice Ephesians 4 and verse 24. Communicating can be humbling because many of us think that we are pretty good communicators and maybe we are. But as time goes on, we come to a greater awareness and it's very humbling that what we have here is a failure to communicate. That like Great Britain and the United States, we are two nations separated by a common language. Now look at Ephesians 4.24. Put on the new man, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. I think it only makes sense to ask ourselves, does my communication show that I'm a new person in the Lord? Does the way I communicate in the marriage or home or any relationship Show that I'm a new new individual, a new creature in the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Secondly, does it show that I am created in the likeness of God? I'm afraid that some conversations that go on in relationships, including marriage and the home, really don't reflect that a person's been created in the likeness of God at all. How about in true righteousness? 
Does my conduct reflect true righteousness and holiness? Seven communication enhancers from Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. Are you ready? Someone said, is Mike going to get through on time tonight? I guess I'm going to really have to try hard because it's about effective communication. Amen. Even though I'm getting started a little late, not pointing fingers, Ephesians 4.25. In dealing with this particular communication enhancer, always speak the truth. Communication will be enhanced when we believe sincerely that honesty really is the best policy. When we look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25, all that is false is to be put off. That's part of the old man, not the new. So putting away falsehood, because after all, all liars will burn in the lake that... This burning with fire and brimstone, Revelation 21 and verse 8. And Satan is a murderer and a liar. He's the father of all liars, John 8, 44. Therefore, in our relationships, especially one would think our marriage and home, being people who are sincere and honest and truth-tellers would be something that should enhance our relationship. In Zechariah chapter 8 and verse 16, it's quoted here in Ephesians 4.25, to speak truth to his neighbor. Notice that, as I mentioned this morning, you can love your wife as yourself, love your husband as yourself. Remember? the great commandment, and then I took it and applied it to marriage specifically. Well, here you've got the neighbor mentioned. And then it goes on in this passage, Ephesians 4.25, to speak of how that we are, catch this, verse 25, that we are members of one another. Isn't that certainly true in a family? And in a marriage... We are one flesh. Matthew 19, verses 4 through 6. Falsehood undermines relationships. Because we come to the conclusion that we cannot trust another person. That's painful when it's in a family. That's exceptionally painful when it is our spouse. Falsehood undermines trust in a relationship. Therefore, honesty builds trust. Now, some people are brutally honest. And as a matter of fact, they pride themselves on their brutal honesty. To that I would reply, see Ephesians 4 in verse 15. The truth is to be spoken in love. One does not have to say something rudely and brutally to be honest. Love is not rude. 
1 Corinthians 13. May God give us the attitude and the wisdom to be honest and to say what is true in the best way. In a marriage, you're going to sometimes encounter times when you've got to be honest. How can I be honest in a way without being brutal and rude and unkind? And that's true in a family and in many other relationships as well. Secondly, a relationship enhancer, a communication enhancer. As we look at this, consider the next two verses, verses 26 and 27. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 basically say, watch your temper. If you and I would enhance good communication in our relationships, especially marriage, watch your temper. Be angry. That tells us there is a time when we can and should be angry. But then there is a prohibition Be angry and sin not. Here is the idea. There was a, Jesus was angry when he drove the money changers out of the temple in John chapter 2. Jesus was angry at the stubborn obstinance of religious leaders when he healed a man on the Sabbath day in Mark chapter 3 verses 1 through 6. But anger can quickly get out of bounds. As I've often said, being angry at the right person at the right time in the right way can be difficult at times. Watch your temper. Be angry and sin not. There's a place for godly anger. But anger can quickly become ungodly if we do not bring every thought, including our temper, under the control of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 through 6. And then you have in this passage, neither give place to the devil... An inability to keep our temper. And you know, the anger here, often we think of anger in its, its two basic forms. The people, it's just like a lightning bolt and it does its damage and causes some fires and burns things. Or something that's on the stove that just keeps getting hotter and hotter and hotter until eventually you start to see smoke and there's a fire. The anger spoken of in Ephesians 4.26 is that kind of anger. The anger that's kind of settled and it's smoking and it's ready to catch fire. This is giving an opportunity to the devil. 2 Corinthians 2.11 I think about that type of anger and did you know, I think a pretty good case can be made for Moses being the type of guy who got angry. Think about Exodus 2, 11 through 15. He sees the Egyptian and the Israelite fighting. He steps in and kills the Egyptian. 
He thinks that Israel is going to get behind him and he's going to be able to be a savior uh, to God's people, lead them out of bondage. But he has to go to the wilderness of Midian for 40 years. You think about later in his life in Numbers chapter 20 when he was told to speak to a rock and struck it. If you look at the context, we'll think about it. He's lost his sister. She's died. He's dealing with an obstinate, hard-headed group of people who make his life difficult at every turn. Must we draw water for you, you rebellious, wretched people? He's still got an anger management issue. I'll guarantee you the devil knows our weak spots. And he will work diligently to expose them. Watch your temper. It is a communication enhancer. If you can't control your temper, it's going to be hard for people to talk to you. They're not going to want to talk to you. Look, if you will, at Ephesians 4.28. Having looked at 25, 26, and 27, here's the third communication enhancer. Verse 28. Be a giver. Be a giver, not a thief. When I was younger and studied this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, I wondered what in the world we're going to stealing for. You know, I can see the idea of watching our temper and not being angry, and I can see the idea of telling the truth. Those are really good communication principles, but when we get to verse 28, what are we really talking about? Go from being a thief to being a philanthropist. The old person was a thief looking at what we could get from others. The new individual in Christ is a giver. Listen to me, friends. A person can give without loving, but no one can love without giving. Think Jesus as the primary example here. You can give without loving, but no one can love without giving. Greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. John, the 15th chapter. Go from being a taker to a giver. Let me ask you this. In the family, are you known as a giver? Are you known for being a giver? Generous and giving of your time, yourself... Your, your talent. Are you known as being primarily a taker? In your marriage, are you a giver? In your relationship, seek to be a giver. And notice the words of Ephesians 4.28. To those in need. I wonder... How many people in our families are in need of a word of encouragement? A word of support? 
a word of assurance. It is more blessed, Acts 20 and verse 35, to what? To what? To give than to what? When you have relationships where you really believe, both in the party, the relationship are givers. True givers, that's a blessed relationship. Look at verses 29 and 30. This is number 4. Ephesians 4, 29 and 30. And in looking at the passage, always speak with grace. Always speak with grace. Ephesians 4, verses 29 and 30. Let no unwholesome, no corrupt speech proceed out of your mouth, but such as is useful to edification, that it might minister grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 30. Several words to pay attention to. First word. The word unwholesome or corrupt. The term means rotten or polluted. Rotten or polluted. There are many places near the coast of, uh, in our country that when it rains a lot, sewage builds up because of all of the rain and often it even goes into the ocean. And they have to make laws that you can't go get in the water for a certain amount of time because of the harmful bacteria that's in the ocean. I wonder how many marriages and homes have been overwhelmed and flooded by corrupt, rotten, polluted speech. And notice the phrasing. It's significant. Let no corrupt Speech. Let no unwholesome words. Sometimes the corrupt speech, the polluted talk, comes out of our mouth because we think someone else did us wrong. See Romans 12, 17 through 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It pollutes marriage relationship. It pollutes family relationships. It will pollute relationships in the church. Unwholesome, ungracious speech. Keep looking at the verse. That it might minister grace to the hearers. God is the God of all grace, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. The Bible refers to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 13, 11. The Bible refers to the Spirit of grace, Hebrews 10, 29. Does my speech reflect the grace that characterizes the Godhead? Father, Son, and Spirit. Another word to circle is the word grieve. 
And the word literally means to pain. Do not cause pain to the Holy Spirit. To grieve the Spirit. When the people of God are busy producing the works of the flesh, Galatians 5 and verse 16 through 26, it cannot help but grieve the Spirit of God. Because it makes no sense for a child of God to be stressing in their relationships the works of the flesh. Number five, look if you will at verse 31 of Ephesians 4. I love this verse. And here is what's being said. Number five in communication enhancers. Avoid communication killers. These are the serial killers of good communication. You want to kill good communication? Practice these things. Six items are mentioned in Ephesians 4.31. And each one of them are to be avoided. Avoided like cancer or the plague. Bitterness. You see bitterness? Right in the passage. Some people are just a sourpuss. We use that term meaning a person that's cynical and really lacks the ability to see anything good about anything or anyone. A sourpuss is an individual who shows sour actions and a sour heart. Sour actions and a sour heart. A sourpuss. How do you reconcile that kind of heart with the pure in heart in Matthew 5 and verse 8? Or the tender, compassionate heart spoken of by Kyle in our scripture reading in Ephesians 4.32 tonight. The bitter. Secondly, you have this, avoid wrath. And this has to do with angry outburst. It's going to hurt relationships. It's going to damage and devastate marriages. It's going to hurt homes. I can't talk to this individual because they will just lose it. Controlled and constructive communication is graceful communication. Third, anger. This is when you've got that settled and sullen disposition. Frequently with a view toward, I am waiting for my opportunity, I'm biding my time to get even with this individual. Be angry and sin not. Ephesians 4.26 This one's interesting. Clamor. Clamor. 
The word means uproar, to get loud, to be quarrelsome. Some people, whenever they are in a conversation, you can only communicate so far and then they get in an uproar. And there's no reasoning. They will go on the defense and they'll go on the offense in being quarrelsome. Avoid this in your relationships with others. Don't be this kind of person. Next, slander number five. It is interesting, and catch this, in the original language, it is the word blasphemia. Blasphemia. To speak against. You can't say anything good about your own husband or wife, your father or mother, your child, to speak against. That's not going to help build relationships. Not at all. And then, lastly, malice. Malice. Malice carries with it the idea of ill will. Certainly we would say that the religious leaders looked at Jesus with malice, wouldn't you think? There couldn't be a relationship because no matter what Jesus said or did, they harbored ill will toward Him. And they think about this because it's easy for us to see that in the religious leaders But people who have malice in their hearts today generally harbor a grudge against another human being. Harboring a grudge will poison and embitter your heart. Number six, look at Ephesians 4.32. Communicate with kindness, tenderness, and forgiveness. Communicate with kindness, tenderness, and forgiveness. Some of us in our communication are like the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18, 21 through 35. We treat others without any mercy even when their offense is quite small. Think about each of these. Because it brings me to the seventh communication enhancer. You'll see it in verse 32. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Here it is. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. 
communicate even as God has in Christ. Do I try to have good relations and healthy relationships with others? How is this seen in my home? How is it especially seen in the congregation of which I'm a part? How is it seen most of all maybe in the marriage? As God in Christ. As God in Christ. Am I communicating as God has in Christ? He wants to have peace with people where there was animosity and strife, doesn't he? He wants there to be forgiveness and he's compassionate toward those that that really are not deserving at all. And the more I look at this passage, the more I'm humbled by communicating. And I hope the more humbled you'll be by communicating too in your marriage and in your family and with your friends and with the family of God that meets here at Westside. What am I communicating? It's a good question. How do I communicate? What we have here is a failure to communicate. And I suspect sometimes in the church, we are people divided by a common language. And sometimes it's that we all want to speak biblically, but some want to speak biblically and they're concerned about truth. And they're so concerned about truth that they don't care about hearts. Others can be so concerned about hearts that they're less concerned about truth. May God help us to speak more as God has in Christ. If you're not a Christian through faith, repentance, and baptism, you can come to Jesus. This is one of those areas, words. Let the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. Psalm 19 and verse 14. It may be that there's a brother or sister that needs the prayers of the church. They need help with their words and in their relationships. We would be blessed to pray with you and for you. So thankful we are that we have a God that cares. Let us stand and sing.